Merry Christmas and good evening, everybody. Um, nom, 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 nom. Um, I'm pretty sure I forgot to mention anything about the, uh, the nom noms. The croutons. In the last episode, we had some, we've been having a lot of technical difficulties. Seems, uh, when you move the studio around and uh, transport things from one place to another, things tend to get uh, misplaced and or not placed correctly. And that is most often what happens when you uh, are your own hired hand. But today on the Standalone Podcast, we will be discussing the need for Christmas. Also, the politics of Christmas and the Christmas of the ages. And that is where we are getting our title today. I am Jacob Coons Jr. And today I am drinking a delicious fresh pressed French pressed cup of brew by Super Coffee in this wonderful cup. Um, so crowding around the fire and I'll be back momentarily for this, the Christmas 2021, 2021 edition of the stand alone podcast.
I personally enjoy a good cup of coffee. And this is indeed the brand Super Coffee. Why it's called that, I can't quite figure out. I can't quite figure out, man. Anyway, but seriously, uh, when you combine Super Coffee and uh, a French press, it gives it even more flavor. In richness, of course. So it already appears as though we have ourselves some uh, further technical difficulties, though we may just turn this into an episode uh, strictly for the um, the audio. So if this makes it to the uh, the bit shoot family of videos we have, great. If not, great because you'll probably find it on Spotify. And while we're there, let's just jump into this quick plug real quick. If you're watching it on any of the video platforms, just click the link in the description to jump over and listen to the full audio show because there is an additional bit to the show. Um, Sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes, and that is an aspect of the show we are greatly seeking to expand. So, uh, jump over there and give it a listen. Well, you'll have to wait till the end of the live show, of course, because uh, this is a live show. So, uh, thank you all for being here. And um, we are still actually looking for the studio, like I was mentioning a minute ago. But I think, personally, I'm cozying up to this bunker quite nicely. I mean, I think it's pretty decent, aside from these, um, these lights we going on, we, we got going on here. Um, not really sure what that's all about. Might have something to do with it. it's Christmas time. I know. You're probably saying, that's not very enthusiastic of you, Jacob. You're right. Yep. So... While it is not yet Christmas Day, technically speaking, I do feel the need to encourage a Christmas truce, much like the 1914 Christmas truce, which we will get into a little later in the program. But right this moment, <clears throat> uh, I just want to tell you that um, you should hang around to the end of the program, at least the live portion of it, and we have a bit of a gift for you just for staying tuned um today being in the christmas spirit i would like to give honorable mention i was cutting some wood today and i think some uh wood like got into my my pants because <laughs> my knee is itchy anyway i'd like to give some honorable mention <clears throat> to some things that would make some great holidays for instance, Bruce Springsteen, as of late, is selling his masters. For what? I don't know. For what? I don't know. But another thing would be the shuffle button removal day. Now, how else could we expect Spotify to remove the shuffle button? This one was actually signed, Love Adele, for whatever reason. And um, for all of you... Uh, 
rock fans. November 22nd was the 40-something birthday for the original Karen. That would be Karen O from the punk band Yeah Yeah Yes. My personal favorite, excuse me, my personal favorite is uh, some random guy posting Happy Hanukkah by Adam Sandler on Reddit. That would make an excellent holiday. That motion is going to be clipped, and I already know it. But that's the price of business where I come from. So let's get right into it today. Uh, let's talk about the need for Christmas real quick. This is going to be a bit of a shorter episode probably, mostly because I don't want to hold you up from your loving families. Um, go love them while you have them. Christmas is widely the most loved and hated time of year, both anticipated and abhorred. As children, we are taught to love, 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 to love our neighbor. And as adults, we stray from that basic principle all too often. As adults, we can find ourselves thinking better of ourselves because we treat ourselves better than those who treat themselves great. In other words, we think highly of ourselves and let that determine how we deal with things in our lives individually. The need for Christmas is rooted in the need for a personal God who came to earth as a baby and died for a man devoted to his own deviation. It is a love story. Without turning it into a King Arthur-esque epic, it is a love story marriage is supposed to emulate. It is probably the only holiday that truly hinges on the supernatural love of God toward mankind. It is a holiday that legitimately celebrates the Christ, his birth most, most specifically, and his life. It would be as though we're celebrating the birth date of your favorite relative. If you have a favorite relative, if not, I'm sorry. And this is a concept I personally have grappled with for a very, very long time because it's very difficult to perceive yourself as worth while. when you're busy focusing on how worthwhile other people are. And we need reminded of that sometimes. We need loved sometimes. That's what it comes down to. That means allowing ourselves to be vulnerable to love. Because not all love is, you know, you scratch my back and I scratch yours and we go home and call each other Skippy. No, sometimes love is, hey, this needs done. Sometimes love is, you need to watch what you're doing. The love of God is the love we are supposed to share all year, specifically as Christians. 
and is clearly displayed by the exchange of gifts at Christmas. This act of giving represents the cherishing of the other to whom a thing, a gift, is given more than either the item or the cost thereof. As important as the literal act of giving, the idea of Christmas is the examination of the necessity of acknowledging the symbolic giving, whether it be time, energy, thought, willingness, love, life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where the politics of Christmas begin to some degree. Pardon me. Hmm. I'm not opposed to those who don't acknowledge the Christ setting time aside to celebrate life. I think the celebration of life is important, but I think the thoughtless banter that surrounds it is dangerous. And the reason is because to quote uh, an author here, celebrating life without celebrating the life giver is like accepting the conclusion of I think it's called here let me double check I wasn't planning on saying all this <laughs> I come on there we go okay so here we are Wrong word, this one. syllogism. It's like accepting the conclusion of a syllogism while rejecting the premises on which the conclusion is built. Why is that important? Because when we're talking about the idea of celebrating life, we have to ask, why is life important? And at some rate, It's part of what turns into a war on Christmas. And the war on Christmas is very real if we examine that in the in there is an entire branch of Christianity that does not believe in a literal Jesus, a literal Christ, 
So it's almost as though they're claiming a spot at a table with a family they're not even related to. And it's as though they want to be counted at the table because the family is supposed to love people, which is true. Those same people will still say Merry Christmas to avoid confrontation. Fine. I'm not against them. I merely think it creates an interesting conversation around the idea of Christmas. How about we call it the truce on Christmas? Not only a time where we lay down our warring weapons for a day, but where we take a page out of the playbook of history and actually do the Christian thing, you know, love our enemies. And I, I'm aware that sounds very conceited. It sounds very condescending. It sounds very pretentious. And it is to some point, love your enemies. But which page from history should we borrow? The Infogalactic Planetary Knowledge Corps offers us the following note on what is called the Christmas Truce. Or, as mentioned a few minutes ago, the Christmas Truce of 1914. The Christmas Truce was a series of widespread but unofficial ceasefires among the Western Front around Christmas 1914. In the week leading up to the holiday, German and British soldiers crossed trenches to exchange seasonal greetings and talk. In areas, men from both sides ventured into no man's land on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to mingle and exchange food and souvenirs. There were joint burial ceremonies and prisoner swaps while several meetings ended in carol singing men played games of football with one another giving one of the most memorable images of the truce peaceful behavior was not ubiquitous fighting continued in some sectors while in others the sides settled on little more than arrangements to recover bodies the following year, a few units arranged ceasefires, but the truces were not nearly as widespread as in 1914. This was, in part, due to, a, due to strongly worded orders from the high commands of both sides prohibiting fraternization. Soldiers were no longer amenable. To truce by 1916. The war had become increasingly bitter after devastating human losses suffered during the battles of the Sumayan Verdun and the incorporation of poison gas. So what to make of the Christmas of the Ages? Over the past two years, 
The world has been in recovery from a myriad of disappointments. And some will never recover. Some will never get that Christmas miracle. But some will have abundance. Over the past two years, some people have lost family, have lost friends, homes, pets, businesses. I think it's important to remember this time of year is not about the tree or the wrapping paper. It's not about taking the kids to the mall to see Santa. It's not about what lies under the wrapping paper. It's about that lesson the good Lord, Jesus Christ, tried to convey to his followers. Number one, love God. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Some may feel as though the world is just opening up after these long years of struggle. Some may have no gifts, wreaths, lights, bows. Some may have lost hope. Some may simply need a reminder, a friend, a cup of coffee. Some may simply need to talk. Some may simply need company. Now, I think it's important to note in 1915, that the soldiers were given strongly worded orders from high commands on both sides, pardon me, prohibiting them from joining hands and exchanging souvenirs. Peaceful behaviors, football, food, all prohibited because bullets need to fly through the air. There's a time and a place, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you now, I tell you again. We just read Patrick Henry talking about the blessings of liberty, a value, if you would, that he demands even if the price should be death. Now, I'm not going to tell you, you have to go out and live life to an extreme where liberty is what you demand. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your time or money. I'm also not going to tell you how to live. But the good Lord did say this. 
Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And I'll offer you this challenge for this holiday. Don't shy away from offering the hope for the Christmas of the ages. Offer people a Merry Christmas. And at the same time, don't take that hope away from them because they say, we don't believe in Christmas. We believe in Kwanzaa. Or maybe they don't celebrate holidays or birthdays. It doesn't matter. Do you believe it? The truth does not require your participation. The truth requires silence. Because if the truth required your participation, you would be part of the truth. Now, that's not entirely foolproof. It's not entirely gospel. No, of course not. I think it's something to think about. Offer a Merry Christmas, if you believe it. So, what we have is, I'm going to clip this on here, the, oh my goodness, our audio listeners with big speakers are going to hate me for this episode, and that's quite appropriate. I'm not trying to get you to hate me. On the other hand, um, had to put up the spit guard because um, Well, because the the truth is, when I tap on the desk, I can hear it coming through. Anyways, so I'll have to adjust that later. So as promised, uh, we're going to be reading um, Lafayette and Robert Rakes by Thomas Grimke. For those of you who don't know, Thomas Grimke was an eminent lawyer and scholar 
who was born in Charleston, South Carolina, graduated Yale in 1807, and died near Columbus, Ohio. He gained considerable, considerable reputation as a politician, but is best known as an advocate of peace, Sunday school, and the Bible. So we'll just dive right into this. It is but a few years since we beheld the most singular memorial Excuse me, I'm already on it. See, I should have brought my glass of water with me. It is but a few years since we beheld the most singular and memorable pageant in the annals of time. It was a pageant more sublime and affecting than the progress of Elizabeth through England after the, after the defeat of the Armada. Then the return of Francis I from a Spanish prison to his own beautiful France. Then a darling and rampid. Then a darling. See, I'm just tearing this whole thing up. Then the daring and rapid march of the conqueror at all Austerlitz from Frihus to Paris. It was a pageant indeed, rivaled only in the elements of the grand and the pathetic, by the journey of our own Washington through the vast, through the, I'm telling you I can't read, through the different states. Need I say that I allude to the visit of Lafayette to America? But Lafayette returned to the land of the dead rather than of the living. How many who had fought with him in the war of 76 had died in arms and lay buried in the grave of the soldier or the sailor? How many who had served? How many who had survived? the perils of battle on the land and the ocean had expired on the deathbed of peace in the arms of mother, sister, daughter, wife. Those who survived to celebrate with him the jubilee of 1825 were stricken in years and hoary-headed. Many of them infirm in health, many the victims of poverty, or misfortune or affliction and how venerable that patriotic company how sublime their gathering through all the land how joyful their welcome how affecting their fair their farewell to that beloved stranger but the pageant has fled and the very materials that gave it such depths of interest are rapidly perishing. 
and a humble, perhaps, a nameless grave, shall hold the last soldier of the revolution. And shall they ever meet again? Shall the patriots and soldiers of 76, the immortal band, as history styles them, meet again? The Amarinthin and Amarinthin. Amarinthine. Oh my goodness. Bowers of spotless purity, of perfect bliss, of eternal glory. Shall theirs be the Christian's heaven, the kingdom of the Redeemer? The heathen points to his fabulous Elysium as the paradise of the soldier and the sage. But the Christian bows down with tears and sighs, for he knows that not many of the, the patriots and statesmen and warriors of Christian lands are the disciples of Jesus. But we turn from Lafayette, the favorite of the old and the new world, to the peaceful benevolence, the unambitious achievements of Robert Rakes. Let us imagine him to have been still alive and to have visited our land to celebrate this day with us. No national ships would have been offered to bear him a nation's guest in the pride of the star-spangled banner from the bright shores of the rising to the brighter shores of the setting sun. No cannon would have hailed him in the stern language of the battlefield, the fortunate champion of freedom in Europe and America. No martial music would have welcomed him in notes of rapture as they rolled along the Atlantic and echoed through the valley of the Mississippi. No military procession would have heralded his way through crowded streets thick set with the banner and the plume. the glittering saber and the polished bayonet. No city would have called forth beauty and fashion, wealth and rank to honor him in the ballroom and theater. No state would have escorted him from boundary to boundary, nor have sent their chief magistrate to do him homage. No national liberality would have allotted to him a nobleman's domain and priestly treasure. No national gratitude would have hailed him in the capital itself. The nation's guest, because the nation's benefactor, and have consecrated a battleship in memory of his wounds and his gallantry. Not such would have been 
the reception of Robert Rakes in the land of the pilgrims and of Penn, of the Catholic, the Cavalier, and the Huguenot. And who does not rejoice that would be impossible thus to welcome this primitive Christian, the founder of Sunday schools? His heralds would be the preachers of the gospel and the eminent in piety, benevolence, and zeal. His procession would number in its ranks the messengers of the cross and the disciples of the Savior, Sunday school teachers, and white-robed scholars. The temples of the Most High would be the scenes of his triumph, homage and gratitude to him would be anthems of praise and thanksgiving to God. Parents would honor him as more than a brother. Children would reverence him as more than a father. The faltering words of age, the firm and sober voice of manhood, the silvery notes of youth, would bless him as a Christian patron. The wise and the good would acknowledge him everywhere as a national benefactor, as a patriot, even to the land of strangers. He would have come a messenger of peace to a land of peace. No images of camps and sieges and battles. No agonies of the dying and wounded. No shouts of victory or processions of triumph would mingle with the recollections of the multitude who welcomed him. They would mourn over no common dangers, trials, and calamities for the road of duty has been to them the path of pleasantness the way of peace their memory of the past would be rich in gratitude to God and love to man their enjoyment of the present would be a prelude to heavenly bliss. Their prospects of the future, bright and glorious as faith and hope. Such was the reception of Lafayette, the warrior. Such would be that of Robert Rakes, the Howard of the Christian Church, in which is the nobler benefactor, patriot, and philanthropist. Mankind may admire, extol, Lafayette more than the founder of the Sunday schools, but religion, philanthropy, and enlightened common sense
must ever esteem Robert Rakes, the superior of Lafayette. His are the virtues, the services, the sacrifices of a more enduring and exalted order of being. His counsels and triumphs belong less to time than to eternity. The fame of Lafayette is of this world. The glory of Robert Rakes is of the Redeemer's everlasting kingdom. Lafayette lived chiefly for his own age and chiefly for his and our country. But Robert Rakes has lived for all ages and all countries. Perhaps the historian and biographer may never interweave his name in the tapestry of national or individual renown. But the records of every single church honor him as a patron. The records of the universal church on earth as in heaven bless him as a benefactor. The time may come when the name of Lafayette will be forgotten, or when the star of his fame no longer glittering in the zenith shall be seen, pale and glimmering on the verge of the horizon. But the name of Robert Rakes shall never be forgotten, and the lambent flame of his glory is that eternal flame which rushed down from heaven to devour the sacrifice of Elijah. Let mortals then admire and imitate Lafayette more than Robert Rakes. But the just made perfect and the ministering spirits around the throne of God have welcomed him as a fellow servant of the same Lord as a fellow laborer in the same glorious cause of man's redemption, as a co-heir of the same precious promises and eternal rewards. Robert Rakes, that is the end, was the founder of the Sunday School And he was an Englishman by nationality, a philanthropist. He was, so he was a giver. He was a believer. He had the desires and aim for the desires. I find it interesting that in an age, in a time where we know much about much, that we can learn so much about the perceived little we don't know about. There seems to be an awful lot 
in that giant vacuum that we consider unknown. I think at some point we should take a playbook out of a page out of the playbook of history and do homage to those people who have put the ideals we espouse into action. And I think that's where we're going to leave the show for today. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you all have a wonderful 2022. Stay tuned because we have much more planned for this upcoming year. Thank you all for tuning in. My name is Jacob Coons Jr. And you are listening to the Standalone Podcast. <laughs>